Right. Good morning. How y'all doing today? Yeah, man, awesome time of worship. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking sometimes, you know, after a hard week of work and, and you get your mind busy on stuff and you get to church and, and uh, worship is a struggle sometimes. You know, there's a war. There's a worship war going on even in our presence. And uh, there, there's an enemy out there that wants you to think about all the negative things that have happened in the past week. He wants you to focus on what you gotta, what's happening at the church today, what you got to get done with work. And, and, and worship is a spiritual struggle. And, uh, and I hope that you were able to take a few minutes and uh, just focus on the God and the one who created it all. And, um, and, and what a powerful worship set. You know, first, usually it takes me a couple songs to actually get in that mindset. You know, just to be honest. Sometimes, you know, and I told Heather, let's do a fourth song this week in, the, in our worship set. Normally we do three. Just to help us get primed up. And, um, and thank you for closing out. Hey, um, some of you, this is your first time here with us. We're so glad that you're here. Pastor Scott, and, and, and I'm so glad to be back. The past couple of weeks, I have been out of pocket. I mean, I was here last Sunday, but Tom, Pastor Tom, has done a fantastic job teaching the first two parts of this sermon series, and I appreciate him coming through and uh, talking about some very raw stuff about marriage and uh, some powerful stuff, and I appreciate you, Tom. Thank you for filling in these last couple of weeks, and I hope that you've been able to practice those things that you've talked about. hope that you've been able to ask the questions to your wife or your husband and, um, and, and ask those questions about, you know, giving of yourself and what that means. And um, so hopefully if you missed the last couple of weeks, I encourage you to go online and to check in on those two messages. And uh, they actually kind of go together. So you've got to watch part one and part two of last two weeks and and um, be a part of that. So we're in this series called Our Imperfect Family. Our Imperfect Family. And that's what we're kind of hitting on. And of course, Tom talked about the husband-wife um, relationship. I want to I pivot for the next week, for today and next Sunday, about parenting and, and, and raising the next generation of kids. That's what I want to hit on here. And, um, and I... I, I really look forward to what I have to talk about today. Before we get into this, I uh, just want to say this, man, the building is doing fantastic. We're building, you know, we've got the new church building. Things are moving along. And uh, yeah, go ahead and give yourself a hand. That's awesome. And, um, you know, we've been painting. Painting's been happening. Landscaping's been happening. And uh, it's uh, bathroom being remodeled. We have nice, clean bathroom, new bathrooms, you know, when you get in there. And a uh, lot's happening inside the building. And if you're like, hey, I, I, I like to paint, this week it's a lot of painting. If you have the gift of painting, just show up. You can show up starting tomorrow night around, I think, around 6 o'clock. Yeah, about 6 o'clock. And then uh, Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday night, all day Wednesday, Wednesday night, all day Thursday, Thursday night, all day Friday, Friday night. So if you got two, three hours, you got the gift of painting, all you have to do is show up. And uh, we'll put a paintbrush or a roller in your hand, and we'll get you uh, painting the wall and, uh, and, and do what you can. And so there's a lot happening there, but so thankful for many volunteers. They've already come out, did a great job yesterday. A lot of landscaping was, uh, started yesterday. A lot of stuff is happening, and uh, a lot of people working all throughout the week. 
and uh, we're excited about what's happening. October 6th, that's our very first Sunday. So we've had, what, we, what is that? What's that make it? Five more Sundays after today? Five more Sundays here at Lutheran High North, and then we'll be moving to a new home over four miles from here. So, well, let's dive in. I want to talk about the parent's responsibility. That's the message today, the parent's responsibility. If you are a parent, you know someone who is a parent, or maybe you had a parent, <laughs> and you would agree that parenting can be very difficult. Can you raise your hand? Yeah, that's right, all over the room. It can be very challenging. And I like what Mark Twain said. He said this, Mark Twain said it's about parenting teenagers. He said when they're 13, put them in a barrel and nail the lid shut. Then feed them through the knot hole. Right? Now that was Mark Twain, that was his advice. And then he said, when they're 16 years old, plug the knot hole. Right? There we go, that's, that's Mark Twain for you. You know, I have lots of joy in parenting. You know, parenting is a, a lot of fun. There's also a lot of pain when things don't go the things that they're supposed to go. But you know, I have joy, and one of the joys I have is the awesome library of stories and you know, what kids say. And uh, we've got two kids. I've got a 12-year-old and a 6-year-old, 12-year-old Nathan, 6-year-old Abigail, and, and the stories that they come, you know, just good stuff. And uh, Karen and I, we were reminiscing, you know, over the weekend just talking about, you know, some, some of the things that they've done and some of the things that just make us laugh. And, and uh, one of these times, a couple of years ago, Nathan and Abigail, you know, they're PK kids, pastor kids. We call them PK kids, right? And, and so we're on our way to church or we're on our way to somewhere. I'm not sure, but we're talking about Jesus. And Abigail, you know, she's probably three or four years old at the time. She's, uh, she's still trying to figure out this whole Jesus on the cross. And, and she said, Mama, you know, did Jesus, when he was put on the cross, did they put horns on him? And you got Nathan looking back and saying, No, Abigail, they put a crown of horns on his head. And they started having a debate, and a mom said, you know, thank, thankfully, Karen, she gets involved and said, guys, come on now, wasn't that a crown of horn? You know, what a crown of thorns. And, and we got it all figured out, these PK kids. You know, we got, you know, we're having a theological discussion about what happened on that cross. And uh, we've got that straightened out. But man, I love the joy of parenting. And I hope and I pray that God will make all the years of your lives with your children, you know, just blessed, very, very blessed. I want to talk about the foundational principles that I hope that you and I can download for the rest of our lives, and I'm calling it the parent's responsibility. If you're not yet a parent, and one day will be, or if you are a parent, what is our primary responsibility? If you're taking notes, and it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you're taking notes, it says a parent's responsibility is to gradually transfer a child's dependence away from the parents until their dependence rests solely on God. Let me say that again, because we've got to understand this. Our responsibility as mom and dad is to gradually transfer Dependence. Transfer dependence. Our children, when they're little, 
They depend on you for everything, right? And they should. They depend on you for everything. But over time, we'll help them transfer their dependence to where they will no longer be dependent on us. But instead, they will depend on the only one who created them. The only one who will ever be completely faithful and true to them for the rest of their lives, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. We teach them. We're teaching them to depend on God. Now, where does it come from? Where does this idea come from? In Deuteronomy chapter 6, and this is where Moses had just delivered the Big Ten. All right, we know what the Big Ten is, the Ten Commandments. They've given the laws, okay? He had broke down the laws. He had teaching the Israelites, these are God's commands, these are God's order to live a, a healthy society, a, a, a society that is honoring and pleasing to God. And so he set a code called the Ten Commandments. He had just delivered that to his people. And then Moses gives one of the greatest teachings on parenthood in all of the scripture, in all of the Bible. And he says this in verse number 1, Deut- Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. He said, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. All right, so they're on the, the brink of the promised land. They're about to cross over. All right, he, he's given them the laws. All right, he reviewed the, the, the laws and said, these are all the laws. These are the decrees. These are the commands that I want you to hold on to. And verse number two, so that you, your children, and their children after them, May fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. See, as you teach your children to fear the Lord, as you teach them to live according to his commands, not only will you be changed, but generations to come will be different if we as parents train our kids not to depend on us or themselves or not to depend on what they see or what they feel, but instead they depend on God. You realize that parents, God has put within us the power to change generations and generations to come. I want you to think about that. You have the power as parents to change the generations, your kids, your grandkids, great-grandkids, great-great-great-grandkids, great-grandkids that you will ever see down the future. But you have the power to leave a spiritual legacy today that has a, a long life effect for generations to come. And how we do that? Well, I want to look at two principles today from Deuteronomy 6 that we live it out as parents. If we can live this out, as we want to transfer dependence from us to God, two things. And I hope we get these two things. It's so simple that sometimes we miss the point. And I pray that we get this today. Number one, love your God. If you're taking notes, love your God. Where does this idea come from? Well, look at verse number four. There's a phrase 
that every devout Jewish person, they would say this phrase three times a day, at morning, at noon, and at night. They would say this phrase, and here it is. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 4. They would, it, it says, Hear, O Israel, and here's the phrase. This is what they would say three times a day. The Lord our God. The Lord is one. Three times a day. The Lord our God. The Lord is one. Will you say that with me? Say it with me. The Lord our God. The Lord is one. And three times a day, they will constantly remind themselves of the one who's in charge. They constantly remind themselves who they were and who God is. That they're not in control, but that God is in control of all things. And then verse number five, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your strength. Bible says to love your God. Now, with how much of your heart should you love God? The Bible says, with all. Notice the scripture does not say with some, with a little bit, with a certain person percentage, it says that we are to love God with all of our hearts. And one of the most dangerous things that we can do as parents is to expose our kids to just a little bit of God. Scripture teaches us that we should love God with all of our hearts. Now let's be honest. In the world that we live in, there are a lot of things that, to, that can distract us from loving God with all of our own hearts. It's easy to say, I love God, but it's hard to walk it. It's easy to talk it, but we don't always walk what we talk. And so we get distracted. We get busy. I've said it before, the devil, if he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. He will get you busy, so busy that he forget about the things of God. You forget about loving God with all of your heart. The devil wants you to just love, if you're going to love God, just a little bit here and there. And so we're distracted. You know, as parents, you know, as a dad, I want to provide for my kids. And so many of us, we think to ourselves, and we have good intention, by the way. You know, if I can just give my kids what my parents gave me, or more than my parents gave me, then that would be valuable for them. And so what we do, we work so hard pouring ourselves into our careers, trying to get more things, and yet we're not giving our kids what they really need, and that is a deeper relationship with us and a deeper, deeper relationship with God. And so we want to provide them. We work hard so that we can provide them the best opportunities. We, go, we give them soccer and ballet and gymnastics. By the way, all those things are fine. But if we're not careful, we can get so caught up. And suddenly we're organizing our lives around 
their schedule. And they get crazy. And we work hard so we have a nice car and little transportation and leather seats so that they got little booties to sit on those leather seats. We work hard for that. And then when they're 16, we want to make sure they can get a car because in some part of our town, it's borderline child abuse if you don't give them a car. And so we give them a car. And then we want to save up so they can get the greatest education. And before long, if we're not careful, so this is where you have to balance this. This is every person got to figure this out. Because if we're not careful, we become child-centered parents rather than God-centered parents. And that's the balance. And I think you can do a lot of things. But do we get so busy that God take a back seat? That we love God with all of our heart. And our lives revolve around our kids rather than revolving around God. You say you love the Lord your God with all your heart, and you don't have time to worship with God. You don't have time to honor his name on a regular basis. And, and, and parents, don't kid yourself. You send a message to your kids. You, they will look to you to see what's important and what you value. And the message that you send to your kids is important. The message that you do during the week, reading God's word, you know, spending time in prayer with the family. Do you pray over dinner? Do you have family time? And some of us, it's the only time we pray is church time. Involvement in church. What I mean by that is you just don't come in late and then leave before the offering so you can beat the traffic to the restaurant. I'm not that. I'm talking about involvement in church. Are you involved? You know, are you a participant in the body of Christ? Is, is there a biblical function for you where you're serving in the body of Christ? Are you immersed in deep, growing relationships with other people in biblical community? Are you a contributing part? Are you a contributor? Are you a contributor to the family of God, to the body of God? Are you plugged in? Are you involved? That's involvement. And I thank God for some of the families, you know, that you plug yourself in. You know, and I think about, you know, uh, the Wyatt boys. They're somewhere around here. You know, they have been serving the church for nine years, setting up and tearing down at the age of nine, 10, 11 years old. Nine, 10, 11 years old, and they're still doing it today. Mom and dad getting them involved. Getting the kids involved. And, uh, and they're probably out doing security. I don't even know if they're in the room. But they're here. There they are. All right, they're hiding low. That's like, ah. Oh. <laughs> Mom and Dad, hey, good job. Good job. We lead our kids to be involved in capacity. Now, I've got a six year old girl. You know, you don't see her serving yet, okay? <laughs> All right. I might have her picking up paper or stuff like that. I don't have her, you know, uh, making the coffee. That would be a disaster, right, Bob? That would be a disaster, all right? It would be terrible, all right? And so we got to be smart with those things. But, man, parents, lead the way. Lead the way. How important is your role with your kids when it comes to serving God? I came across a study 
a while back, and I thought this was interesting. I think I've shared this before, but I want to share this again. It's so practical here, some thoughts here, if you're taking notes. If mom and dad both went to church and involved, then 72% of kids would do so as adults. 72%. If mom only went to church, the percentage dropped to 15%. Now, dad, how important are you? If dad only went to church, then it goes up to 55%. So dad, don't ever underestimate the value of your role in leading your kids. If mom or dad never goes, they're not involved, or they kind of hit and miss, the numbers drop to only 6% of kids who will grow up and follow Christ and be active in the church. So parents, do you love God with all of your heart or with some of your heart? You've got to model this for your kids. You have to model this for your children. Because some kids, they don't just need a little bit. They need all of it. They need the whole counsel of the glory of God. Your kids need it. And parents, the best thing we can do for our kids to love God with all of your heart. Here's the second thing. As we talk about this idea of transferring dependence from us to God, number one, we love our God. We love your God with all of your heart. Number two, lead your family. Lead your family. This comes from, again, the same chapter, verse number 6, 7, 8, and 9. I want you to see the spiritual leadership represented in these verses. He said, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. Impress them on your kids. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk down, when you walk along the road, or in our context, when you're driving to school, or when you're taking them to t-ball practice, or soccer practice, when you lie down, when you go to bed, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. We're the lead of a family spiritually. Spiritual talk become not just something we do on our way to church, but spiritual talk is something you do throughout the week, seven days a week. We lead our kids spiritually. I heard a quote from Edward, Duke of Windsor. He said this about America. He came over and visited, and he said this, the thing that impresses me most about America is the way parents obey their kids. I want you to think about that for a minute. The thing that impressed him the most is the way that parents obey their kids. Parents, here's the question for you. Are you leading your kids? Or are your kids leading you? Who's the leader in the home? You, as parents, you should lead them spiritually. You set the tone. You set the thermostat in your home, the spiritual thermostat. You are the divine authority. You know what that means? The authority given by God to parents. And if you don't lead, I promise you this, little Johnny and little Becky would love to sit in the CEO chair every time. They, they would take over if you let them. That's a parent. Lead your kids. You have divine authority from God. 
They said, well, how do you lead? How do you do it? And, and, and I believe that every person should be spirit-filled, listen to God, because the way I do it in my household might be different in your household. Right? And so I'm not, about to, I'm not about to impose how we roll. You know, I, I hope that you figure out how you should lead your kids. But here's what I want to say about this. If you're going to be an effective parent, you must lead intentionally. It won't happen on accident. It won't happen. It won't just show up. You have to be intentional. And whatever that means for you, you have to seek the heart of God and you do it. Be intentional in the way you lead. And here's the key. We are not called to just parent our kids, but rather to disciple them. Don't just be a parent. Be a disciple. I came across that line two months ago, and I, that hit me. That hit me. I do a good job as a parent, I, I think. Parenting. I believe that we, we're not perfect. We're imperfect parents. I believe that we do a good job parenting our kids. But sometimes I wonder if the pastor of this church does a great job discipling his kids. Do we disciple your kids? It's, oh, no, that's the church job. Really? Really? The church, one hour a week, out of 168 hours a week, we get one hour. The church job, hey, we want to partner with you. We want to help you. But it's not our job. It is not our job to raise your kids. The number one disciple in the home, mom and dad. Mom and dad. You know, we, we provide resources. Um, and sometimes we don't talk about it enough, but one of the things that we provided it's called Right Now Media. Right Now Media has tons of resources. There are Bible studies on there that you can watch with your kids. They may be on the level of their kids, but for 15, 20 minutes, you can watch these Bible studies. And you're like, man, I don't have that resources. On the back of your connection card, there should be a place. It says, access to Right Now Media resources. I just need your email. We will email you a login. This is free. This is like Netflix of Bible studies. And you have it. You can watch it on your phone. You can watch it on your smart TV, on Apple TV, on your tablet. You have this resource. And it can be used. It can be used to disciple your kids. A small group, use it for adult life group. You can use it for kids as, w as well. And by the way, we pay a monthly price for this. Because we believe that this is important. This is valuable. We want to put this in the hands where, hey, you don't just have to have church on Sunday morning, but you can grow throughout the week. We're giving you resources. And we want you to grow. Discipleship. Are you discipling your kids? Here's the deal with discipleship. It's intentional. Discipleship just doesn't happen. You have to do it. You have to plan it. Whatever that might be, you have to plan it. 
Whether he said, hey, no, we're going to do this seven days a week or three nights a week or three afternoons a week. You figure that out. You lead your family. I'm not going to tell you how you do it. Because I believe that God would teach you how to, what that exactly looks like in each and everyone's home. Because everyone's home schedule different. But I pray that you become God-centered parents and not kid-centered parents. So it's intentional. And you're not so concerned about your kids' immediate happiness as you are for the holiness and full pursuit of God. That's what you want. You're not yeah, you want them to be happy. I want happy kids. Happy kids, happy wife, happy life, okay? Come on. <laughs> but I'd rather have holiness. I'd rather them grow to desire God. Hey, that's transferring dependence from me to God. So how do we lead them? Bible call it training. Training. Here's what it says, Proverbs 22, verse number 6. Train a child in the way they should go, and even when he is old, he will not turn from it. The word train in the Hebrew words means chanak. Chanak. That's the Hebrew word for train. And this word actually means the palate of your mouth. The palate of your mouth. And what would happen in the Old Testament times is that when an Israelite woman would have a baby, the midwife would instantly dip her finger into like a fruity paste, you know, uh, maybe, maybe out of fig, and, they, and, and she would rub her finger with that paste, and she would put that in that newborn baby on the palate of her mouth, which would help that baby to have a craving so that she can be nursed easily by her, by her mother. And so parents, what we do it's Chanuk. Train, Chanuk. We train. If you're taking note, we initiate a craving. We initiate a craving in the way that your child should go. We initiate a craving for that which is true and right and pure and holy. And let me just say this. There's this idea out there that, you know, I don't want to impose my belief on my kids. I want my kids to think on their own and, and, and let them grow up and figure it out themselves. And, you know, that makes sense, maybe. But I believe that's the devil's philosophy. And here's why. The devil, once you buy into that idea, it becomes open season for your kids. And the devil, he got a big fat target on him. If you think, I just let my kids figure it out, then the devil, he will do everything he can to persuade your kids that the word of God is not important. And he would do it. You would open them up. Where we see principles upon principles upon principles. We start in Deuteronomy chapter 6, impress your kids. We're not talking about brainwashing. We're just talking about giving them truth, God's word. We see it here. Train your kids. Give them a craving of the word of God. Don't let the devil have a foothold in your family. Start them when they're young. Show them. 
what it means to love God with all of your heart. Model it in your life. Don't just talk it. Walk it. Let them see it. Let them see you read your Bible. Let them know that you care about the things of God. And then lead them to do the same. Lead them. Lead them. Proverbs give us some quick training ideas. I'm going to give you, you know, I'm not going to read all these verses, but if you look in the bottom of your notes, here's some things that you can train. This is just a short list. Some of the things that you can initiate a craving in your kids. Number one, train them to manage God's money. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about money. It has a lot of principles about finances. And if the world would just learn from the textbook Bible about money, we'd be, we'd be a whole lot better off. Great stuff there. Teach them how to manage God's money. Train them to carefully select their friends. Train them to watch their words. Again, model it. You know, the number one teacher of words that they learn sometimes is in their own home. And then when they bring home a word from school or wherever, teach them, son, daughter, that's not a word you should be saying. What so-and-so said it, well, then go back to the last point. You select your friends wisely. Important. Train them, train them. Train them to be responsible. Train them to be responsible. Part of transferring dependence, we have now a teenager, man-child. It's, uh, it, it's a crazy world that we're living in. And uh, we've got to teach him responsibility. We've got to let him fail sometimes. Helicopter parents, helicopter mom, dad. Sometimes we just have to let them fall. Now, you've got to be careful what, you know, what that is. You know, if Abigail is running up toward a cliff, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to let her fail. Okay? She, she can stand way back here holding daddy's hand tightly if we're going to look over it. You know, we're not going to even get that close to the cliff. All right? So you got to figure that out. So if, you know, school, you know, I'm, I know for all these teenagers and that's in the room, school's about to start in a couple of weeks. The summer is fading fast, I'm sorry. And then you're going to start having responsibilities, homework, stuff you have to bring home, tests you got to study for. A parent, you can't always be there for them. Sometimes they've got to learn a hard lesson. Learn it now so that they don't have to learn it later. Because they can't always be a helicopter mom or dad when they're 21, 22, 23 years old. It's not going to happen. That's part of that transferring of dependence. Transferring of dependence. Number, here's the next idea. Train them to guard their minds. Their minds. Oh, man. Listen. Listen to me. Your kids, if they're 11, 12 years old, 10 years old, 9 years old, they already have access to things that they should not be seeing. They have access. If, if your child has a, or teenager has a smartphone, parents, you have the right to know what they're looking at. 
you have every right to know their password. You have every right to be able to go in and check their history, see who they're texting with. You have every right. You do. Because you have a responsibility to give them accountability and to guard their minds. Nathan has a little iPod touch. It's like an iPhone, but it doesn't have the phone stuff. And, it, you know, it's just, it's, a, it's just a little baby step and teach him some basic function. And, and uh, we eventually gave him access to Safari website, Internet. And uh, we told him, so Nathan, we know what you're watching. I pay $15 a month to have an accountability software. Called, there's a couple of them out there. The one we use is called Covenant Eyes. You can look it up. And it's 15 bucks a month. You say, that's a lot of money. I say, it's worth it. It's worth every penny. If I'm going to help my son and my daughter have access, I need to be watching and guarding their minds. And every day I get an email, a report. And you know what my son tells me? He says, Dad, thank you for caring enough for me to know what's going on, for giving me accountability. And it's easy for anybody, anybody, to fall into a trap. Guard their minds. Train them to be generous. Train them to be generous. We teach our kids what it means to be a tither. The son, even Abigail can learn this. We teach them, hey, if you get a dollar, 10 cents belong to God. We teach them that. You make $10, Nathan, you get a $10 allowance. How much go to the Lord? He said $1. And we'll give. We, we model generosity. We want to teach them and train them to be generous. And then number, the last one, number seven, train them to fear God. Train your kids to love God with their heart, soul, and mind. So here's what we want to do. We want to transfer their dependent on us. Because when they are young, they depend on us completely. When they get older, they will depend on their friends or on themselves. But we want to teach them to depend on God. So how do we do that? We love God first with all of our heart. Not some, not a little bit, but all of it. And then we intentionally lead our kids. We intentionally lead our family. Disciple, disciple, disciple. It will not happen on accident. But parents' responsibility. You have a great responsibility before the Lord. And I pray that you will use your God-given authority to model it and to leave it. Our Father, God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. God, I pray that we will walk in it, not only just talk, but walk it. I pray that we will lead our kids, be a discipler, disciple our kids to love you. I pray that we will make this a priority in our family. Yes, it will never be perfect. We're imperfect people with imperfect family, but God, we serve a perfect Savior. And there's hope for our family when we find it in you and you alone. In your name I pray, amen.